0: hey what's up it's gotham sharma you're listening to the access cyber podcast on the show today my guest carla reffelt who is a cybersecurity recruiter and really offers in this conversation a lot of insight from a unique perspective um i think you're going to enjoy this all right carla reffelt welcome to the show
1: hey thank you for having me
0: very excited to have you um We'd spoken briefly uh, maybe a week and a week and a half ago. Uh, We connected on LinkedIn initially, and you were kind enough to send me sort of this survey you compiled um, on cybersecurity careers and hiring and salaries. And I want to touch on that in a minute. But before that, uh, you have a very curious and interesting journey into the world of security, and I think a very unique lens into the field that sometimes the the folks who are kind of hands-on pen testing and doing the ethical hacking and the GRC stuff You are kind of in charge of finding those people, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I've been doing this for a really long time now. So I've certainly seen how it's evolved over probably 10 or 12 years. So definitely, I think, um, a a different perspective to the industry from some of the newer recruiters out there.
0: For sure. Uh, You had a hiring background, a recruiting background. You've started this company, Beecher Madden, a cybersecurity-specific recruiting company in the US and the UK, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. So I started out doing recruitment in a couple of different sectors, but moved into, um, I guess it was called information security then and corporate governance in general and felt that there was a gap in the market for recruitment to operate a little differently at that time where, you know, it was really focused on high volume placements rather than being relationship driven. And cybersecurity became within a few months of uh, me starting the business became this huge huge buzzword so it was fortunate that i was doing it at the right time
0: can you walk us through your journey in the world of recruiting and then the decision to make the leap and say i'm going to go and build my own company i'm always fascinated by that that pivot
1: yeah me too when i when i speak to people i'm always interested you know what what made you decide that was the right time because it's a, it's a really hard decision i think um you know, I started off having left, uh, left having left college, university, uh, going straight into recruitment pretty much and really enjoying it, really enjoying um, the salesy winning kind of culture that that industry has, but also enjoying how you see people progress their careers and you get a real insight into some of the most crucial decisions you make in in your life and also how companies make those decisions as well. You know, what? makes them decide to add a role why that person why that time Um, and I worked for a couple of businesses um, and did well and really enjoyed the relationships I was able to build and just um, I guess I was just young enough and naive enough that I didn't think it would be that hard to go out and do it by myself and if I knew then what I know now about how hard it is to start and run and grow a business I'm not sure I would have I would have done it but um, I think I just had that naivety and maybe um, maybe that confidence that it would work out
0: yeah there's something to be said for not having uh, all the answers right in the beginning
1: yeah very much so
0: (laughs) but but you didn't just build this company you led it to a successful acquisition I want to learn a little bit more about that
1: yeah, so it was, um, it was seven years after I started the business that we got acquired. And really funny, when I went back um, at the time, you know, you go through and you sort of get everything in order. And I found my original business plan and the original business plan said year seven exit. So um, that power of attraction, I'm a, a massive believer in. Um, there were there are a few changes, um, you know, for me personally with uh, having a young family, Um, and the business had got to a size where I would either have to invest a lot and work really hard to grow it, or it would carry on as it was and be a bit of a lifestyle for me, which was never what I wanted. I've always wanted the next, the next growth and to hit the next level. And there are a few people that were kind of interested in approaching us as a business at that time about joining them and sort of going into a bigger recruitment company um and when I met James who's the CEO of um the Hive Ventures who were the people that acquired us we we got on really well um I really resonated with his values and it felt like the right fit and and it has been you know I've stayed stayed with the bigger group and been able to accelerate the growth in the way that I wanted
0: Amazing. What does the name Beecher Madden
1: mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's, all our, uh, it's all our passwords, security questions. So it, uh, it's an amalgamation of uh, my mother's maiden name um, and uh, another maiden name as well with uh, my ex-husband. So um, we just thought it sounded good.
0: Very cool. So what kind of advice do you have for someone who's listening? I want to get into the cyber security side in a minute, but very fascinating with the entrepreneurship aspect someone who's thinking of building something and has that kind of vision, what advice do you have?
1: I think make sure you're passionate about it. You know, this will consume every waking minute you have however hard you try to separate it. You know, you will work weekends, you work evenings and when you're not working, you're thinking about it. So be, make sure it's something you're really passionate about. And I would also say pull in help as early as you can, whether that's a strategy advisor, multiple mentors, whoever it is but just getting those people around you who've been there and done it and can offer opinions i think the more people you have around you the faster you'll go um, and the further you'll get
0: that is pretty solid advice how did you identify that specializing in cyber would pay off
1: well, I started the business having done a couple of years doing corporate governance recruitment. So a little bit catch-all for anything that was operational risk, physical security, information security. And I'd probably been heaviest on information security um, and what's going to, I think, become quite topical again, sort of business continuity and crisis management. And it just suddenly felt like everybody was using this new word. You know, 2010, people had only really just started using the word cyber. And it was all they wanted to talk about. People didn't really want to talk about business continuity or crisis management. They just wanted to talk about cyber. And the more I talked to people about it, the more fascinated I was personally. You know, when someone first explains to you, um, you know, what a cyber attack is, what the risk is, what it could do to a business, what it can do to individuals, you know, how people in businesses trying to stop it. It was just really fascinating. And it just it just kind of all came together that, um, you know, everybody suddenly wanted to use this this buzzword. They wanted to rename information security, IT security, um, and people wanted to start hiring as well. You know, companies were starting to wake up to the risk and wake up to the, the fact that this was something they really needed to invest in. Sure.
0: And I'm guilty of doing that myself. I use the word cybersecurity over information security. I know I shouldn't, but I am guilty of it and I admit it.
1: You're a purist. You know,
0: I I try. Um, So what kind of roles are you all placing throughout the industry?
1: So now we'll do anything from a CISO down to an entry level role in cyber. Um, We only do cyber security. So the majority of the roles we have are kind of at that senior technical level. So a lot of the stuff we do will be uh, information security architects, uh, maybe application security engineers, instant response has been huge for us over the last 18 months you know that industry's really exploded um so we certainly do a lot there um and obviously a year or so ago you know privacy positions with uh, with gdpr and the ccpa have meant we've seen a lot of growth in in that area as well
0: right and, and a lot of this is familiar from our last call where we looked at uh that survey do you want to talk a little bit about um how you gathered that data and what the goal of that survey was
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I love doing them. They're like a passion project for me each year. So we've been doing them for about six years now. And we produce one in the UK, one in the US. So we go out to you know all the people that we work with and ask them to uh, fill in our survey. Um, we tend to get several hundred responses each year. Um, and then for the salary data as well, we kind of reference cross-reference, you know, what have people told us with what we're seeing? You know, when we speak to a candidate on a day-to-day basis or we speak to a company that's hiring, do the brackets that we're seeing, do they correspond? And they they typically typically do. Um, but it gives us really interesting data into the mindset of the market. You know, are people thinking of changing jobs? Are they getting pay increases when they do? What do bonuses actually look like on a on a real-time basis rather than just, you know, what we see at the offer stage? Um, and sometimes they come up with really surprising results, and we get to see the trends over over several years as well. You know, some years you have years where salaries have had a massive jump. You know, some roles get, are paying 25% more than they did a year ago, and some years like this year, you know, they've kind of stabilized, and we haven't seen massive growth. They're really interesting, and I, I love doing them, and I love presenting them to people as well.
0: I send out surveys occasionally, and I have such a hard time getting – people to do them right you have to send out such a massive number of them to get proper results do you have any secrets on uh, on getting people to fill these out
1: <laughs> work really hard at it it's um you know we do all the things you'd expect you know social media and um and kind of having it on our email signatures and it does take us a few months to get that sort of data um, and we, we just ask people, you know, when we're talking to them on a day to day basis, like, hey, we're doing this, do you mind filling it out for us? And I think that's where we see the biggest uptake rather than just putting it out to the world and hoping.
0: And have you seen anything particularly um, shocking or surprising in, in this year's survey?
1: This year, um, this year and last year, I think the main thing that really shocked me was bonus levels. So, um, you know, we asked people, what bonus did you get? Um And almost 50% of the people that responded both this year and last year said their bonus was less than 5%. And that's people across all levels of a business and all industries. So it really, really surprised me when we started asking that question. Because if someone offered you a job today and said, hey, you know, your bonus is going to be 3 or 4%, you'd say, yeah, no thanks. You know, I'm expecting a bonus of 20% plus. Um, So to see that that's what's being paid out um, on a kind of an annual basis, and this being quite consistent, is really surprising.
0: How does collecting that data guide some of your
1: work? It helps us advise our candidates a little better. You know, if you're accepting a job offer where the bonus potential is 20%, really understand what that looks like, what do you have to do to get to 20%. And crucially, what has that company paid out over the last two or three years? Because that gives you a guide for... If you're actually going to achieve that or not, because then, you know, you can understand is my total comp is my package right rather than just, you know, is my basic salary right. And you can you can work out what it's actually going to look like rather than just what the potential is. Um, Now, over in the US compared to the UK, I think here people are a little bit more focused on total comp rather than just basic salary. So I think um, I think the guys here get that a little more. Um, But it's really around that advice of making sure you understand exactly what you're saying yes to.
0: You bring up the idea of total comp. And I think a lot of times we think about negotiating, we just think about getting the salary number higher. Right. We don't think about negotiating more on a a horizontal scale. What uh, what what other things do people negotiate when they're thinking about
1: that? People negotiate everything, I think. Um, we've seen, actually, even before the the pandemic, we were seeing a slight uptick in people who wanted to negotiate severance packages, so, you know, negotiating your exit as you go in. And I think that's... Um, I think that's really crucial in security where, you know, particularly if you're senior, you might be worried that you're going to be brought in as the scapegoat. So what does that look like if you are attacked or you do have a breach and you are forced to exit? You know, what are you you coming away with? Um, Healthcare is obviously a huge thing as well, you know, how exactly what that plan looks like, really understanding the detail. And I think companies don't always realize that as much as they should, you know, you should be Having your plan out, probably from the beginning of that interview process, because it's such an important thing for somebody. Um, they really do want to understand the detail. Just saying you, you know, you've got healthcare coverage isn't isn't good enough.
0: We see millions of openings across the globe in cybersecurity. How accurate are those numbers that we're seeing?
1: I've left that up to the people that put that number out there, and I know I know some of the people that have come up with that research, and they do a really good comprehensive job of looking at that number and there, def- there definitely is a skills gap I have lots of opinions on what's causing it and how we fix it which aren't necessarily um, you know some of the mainstream opinions but there is a hundred percent a gap you know I don't have enough qualified candidates for every single job I have and if I do have enough I'm taking them out of other jobs so you're just perpetuating this cycle
0: you mentioned non-mainstream ideas. Love to hear what those are. Those are my favorite.
1: Well, I think if you if you go online, you're on Twitter or you're on LinkedIn and you read about the skills gap, everyone will say to you, oh, you know, it's because companies just have these wish lists of job descriptions and they don't pay enough. And that's why it's not, you know, it's not real. The companies don't understand what they're recruiting for. And we need to get, you know, better understanding into companies of what a cybersecurity job is. And for sure, there are some of those that exist and you can spot them a mile off because those jobs have been advertised for six to 12 months um, and they're really, really obvious. But for me, those jobs are few and far between. Companies now, they have quite mature security teams. You know, you've got experienced CISOs leading these teams. You've got people that are committed to improving the diversity in their teams whether that's gender or neurodiversity or ethnicity and they understand you know you can't put out this wish list because you won't get the right blend of applicants so on the whole companies do put out i think good quality job descriptions which don't have these things that you see floating around social media you know entry level roles but you need assist that that they're really rare i don't see that anymore the problem simply is We're not attracting people into the industry quick enough, and we're not being open-minded enough on where these people come from.
0: The absurd job descriptions we used to see of uh, 20 years of experience for an entry-level role and uh, a litany of certifications, you're saying we're seeing less of that?
1: Absolutely seeing less and less of that. Companies that are mature with their cybersecurity teams, they don't put those out there anymore.
0: On the diversity front, especially at the entry level, people who are looking to kind of break into this field or enter security, does it feel like there are entry level roles? I hear different thoughts about that all the time. No such thing as an entry cyber role or an entry security role. You have to kind of come from a different industry. Curious what you think.
1: I get approached all the time by people who have just left education with cyber qualifications or cybersecurity degrees or, you know, something, something in that field. And they're struggling. They they can't find security jobs. They wanted to do it because they hear about this massive skills gap, but nobody will hire them and no one will give them a chance. I think there are opportunities in security teams to bring those people on and, and to train them. But on the whole, if you haven't got some level of IT or some business experience, I don't see those people getting hired. So what you see is them going into IT support or networking positions, or maybe something in risk to get that experience and then moving over. So we've talked about fixing the skills gap by education. We say we need to get into schools and we need to educate people in schools so that we can fill this gap in the future. And then you know, we say, we've got to them too late. We went to them when they were teenagers, they've made up their minds. We've got to go to them when they're even younger and we'll fix this problem in the future. But then when we do get to these people and we do educate them and they do come out, we're still not hiring them in the numbers that we need to. So I think the industry start needs to start being a little bit more open minded on bringing those people through that have got the education. But also, like, where else can we take people from? You know, can we take people from risk or project management who've got the business skills and get them into the industry?
0: There's all different kind of pipelines that need to be better leveraged. Someone is looking to enter the field, and they don't. They have experience in maybe a an unrelated field, maybe a related field. How can they kind of brand themselves or pitch themselves to these employers that that they'd be a good fit for this?
1: My biggest thing is is networking. Um, if you get out, and it's obviously a little harder to do at the moment, but if you get out to events, and there's hundreds of events, right? You know, you could probably go to one each night of the week, um, and you go meet people you're showing that you're interested and that you have uh, maybe a passion for the industry as well, you know, you've bothered to show up, you've shown that you, um, you want to learn and that you want to really put the effort in and you will meet people. And I think once you start doing that as an industry, we can be quite nice, right? You know, we want to help. People are on hand to offer advice um, and they will help each other find roles and opportunities whenever they can. So I think you just need to get out and get in front of as many people as possible. So that might be harder right now, but, you know, I think if you connect with people on LinkedIn or get involved in some of the communities that you see on on Twitter as well and ask for advice, ask people to connect, um, really put yourself out there. It, it will work. It will be, um, you know, it might take some time, but you will definitely get people who will help you and introduce you to people that you need to to get that first job.
0: Definitely agree with that. I think there's a large, a very active security community on a lot of different platforms, including LinkedIn and Twitter that you mentioned. And uh, generally, with with rare rare exceptions, people are very willing to help out and kind of guide you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, they really are. And people ask me all the time, you know, well, what what qualifications do I need? What course should I go and get? There are great courses and great qualifications that will help you progress your career once you know, once you're sure you know which part of security you want to go into. Um, But in the beginning, those can be time consuming and really expensive. And actually, going to events, meeting people and asking for that help, I think will get you far further, far quicker than doing another qualification.
0: Exactly. You spoke about diversity earlier, and I think diversity means all kinds of things, right? You touched on neurodiversity. There's not enough women in cyber. There's not enough minorities in cyber. I tend to agree with a lot of those things. Still, we have women and girls at high school and college level who are actively being discouraged from pursuing tech careers. Curious how you would kind of offset that or counterbalance that.
1: I think we have to do it through visibility. You know, um, a few years ago, I refuse to have that image of you know a guy wearing a hoodie as on any of our marketing material because I think it just sends the wrong message Um, and as an industry we need to we need to change that so wherever possible we use images that have women in and I think by having more women in the industry and it has grown over the past few years and the women I know are generally really wonderful and they do far more than their day job as part of this industry and they get out there to schools and colleges and they they show people what's possible so i think by having that visibility that actually this isn't about wanting to sit in a dark room and not talk to anybody you know this is this is a little bigger than that we're showing them that women do do this job and that it isn't just maybe what you're seeing in the mainstream media that there's opportunities for you to come in and do well at this
0: If someone is interested in cyber and they said, listen, it's technical, I don't really care for technology. What are the options for non-technical roles in security?
1: There are loads. You know, you could do something that's slightly more risk focused. Um, We're seeing a lot around third party risk and, um, you know, the risk that that brings in from a security point of view. So some of that is obviously how that all comes together technically, but some of that is just really understanding, you know, who's in your supply chain and what risks that pose, and how can you, um, how can you mitigate that risk, and then things like um, privacy, which I know is not necessarily cyber and not traditional security, but it certainly touches on that as an industry. They certainly overlap. You know, those roles aren't aren't technical. They're they're really fascinating from a risk and a legal perspective. So there's so many options for people that don't know or don't enjoy IT.
0: What's the biggest myth you encounter about working with a recruiter or the recruiting profession in general?
1: I think candidates can sometimes be a little bit... or c- candidates and clients, I guess, can be a little bit skeptical when we're trying to negotiate salaries at the end. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we see that the client in particular wants to wants to do that themselves. You know, I think they're worried we try and put up push up salaries artificially to get a bigger fee. And I think that's the biggest mistake you can make. You know, having somebody in between as a third party, it just means that the two people that are going to have to work together don't have to go through you know that negotiation and they can kind of keep their relationship about work rather than about money we take some of that pain away quite often if we are insisting you know the candidate needs more money we'll cap our fee just to prove you know we're not doing this to to try and drive up our money or to um, you know we're on your side as well so I think it's really around understanding what we add to the process um, and how that really benefits people um, and as a business for, for us, you know, I can't speak to all recruiters out there, but we really enjoy seeing that person get the job they want, seeing that company hire the person they want. It's, it's often about that feeling for us the the deals that we like the most aren't always the ones that pay the most. Sometimes they're just the ones where we know somebody's really excited to go work for that company. So I think that's the biggest myth that, um, you know, we have to fight against.
0: Thinking about job descriptions, what are some red flags? If I'm a candidate looking for a role in security and I'm just kind of, I don't know, looking at one of these job boards, what's a red flag that I should look out for?
1: I think you should be looking at how long has that job been advertised for? Because if it's been advertised for a really long time, you know, there's probably something wrong. You know, maybe the hiring manager is fussy or they're changing their mind a lot or they don't really know what they're looking for. So that's certainly something to watch out for. What we're encouraging companies to do is to um, put less on their job adverts, you know, put down what you really, really need. Don't put absolutely everything on there. Put down the, the key things that somebody must have so that you encourage more people to come and find out about you. And I think the ones that do that really well tell the story of, you know, why, why they're hiring that person or why they've got to where they need to be. Um, so, I, yeah, I would say the big red flag is, has this been out there for a really long time? Is it with 10 different recruitment companies and it's the same job? You know, why can't they fill this role? Because as much as there is a gap, it's not impossible to hire in this space.
0: The, the other thing I'm thinking about is um, if someone's been on their job search for a while now, no one's really biting, nothing's really coming through. And I said, maybe I should go the recruiter route. Maybe I should work with a recruiting company. What's the best way to prep for that?
1: I think just reach out and understand what you're looking for. I think that's the really important thing when we look to work for somebody, you know, have you have you explored everything with your current company? Because one of the things we hate is that you get to the end of the process and you go, yeah, I've changed my mind. I'm going to stay where I am when we put all that time and effort in. So make sure you've really explored everything where you are and you understand what it is you want to do and then come and use us for advice. You know, we we see so many different companies and so many different people, we really know what's going on and what you might need to tweak to get to the role that you want. So, you know, have that in mind so that you can use us for that advice and be open to making those changes.
0: On the side of companies who are posting job descriptions, what, what, what kind of, what's like a pet peeve of yours when you see it in a job description, you say, I really wish companies wouldn't say that.
1: Um, I don't know if I have one, you know, (laughs) or or what's the thing
0: you you've liked companies to kind of stop doing in their job descriptions
1: well a couple of years ago I would have said you know stop putting in things that you don't need and we're certainly seeing a trend to that you know what I what I really want to see companies doing is maybe just having you know these are the three things that we need you to do or the three things that we need you to have Um, because then we know you're gonna get applicants who come from a whole range of backgrounds rather than people that read it and go, oh, well, I don't have the sick thing on the list, so they probably won't hire me. So that's probably probably the main thing. And I, I love it when they tell, tell that story of, you know, why they're hiring, where the business is at, you know, do they want someone who can innovate and really take the security team forwards, um, you know, something exciting to get people really interested in fact maybe if there is a pet peeve that's it you know the companies that say hey we're great this is what you have to do come work for us rather than really trying to sell themselves to a candidate because it is a two-way process
0: and then for the candidates if I'm looking at a job description and I say listen this job sounds really interesting but I don't meet 100% of the bullets they want how should they proceed
1: they should just go for it um you know very very few people meet a hundred percent of the requirements and actually if you did meet everything you know is that role really going to offer you some growth and some opportunities you know do you want a job where you can do absolutely every single thing from day one so i would you know if you're applying through us then we obviously make that easy but if you're if you're going direct to a company reach out to the hr person or the hiring manager Um, You know, it's really easy to find those people through LinkedIn um, and say, Hey, I, you know, I can do all these things and I'm really great at them. This is, you know, something you've said you need and I don't have that, but I'm willing to learn it or willing to go do that. So just highlight why you are still good for that job. Perfect.
0: Okay. And uh, any final sort of advice or? words the wise tips for recruiters or companies or just anything you have in mind about recruiting that we didn't kind of flush out here?
1: I think the tips for companies um, would be to make sure you've got your process really streamlined. So even though we may be coming into a period where candidates are slightly more freely available, um, and I'm not sure that we are, they, they hate it when interview processes drag on for weeks and weeks, you know, because you can't get the hiring managers in the same room or on the same calls. And they really hate it when, you know, you say it's a two stage process, but then you add in an extra stage at the end, you know, that makes a candidate feel like you're not sure about them. and No one wants to feel like you want to feel wanted. So get your process lined up from the beginning, ideally get hiring managers to block out some time in their diary, keep that free. So when candidates come through, they're ready to interview them quickly. Because we do see companies losing people that they really like where they just don't move quick enough and the internal processes get in the way. So I think that's probably my big, my big thing.
0: And for candidates or job seekers who are thinking about their next role in security, and they're listening to this and they say, Carla sounds awesome. I'd love to chat with her and learn more about openings. Where can they reach out to you?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as well. So you can reach me there or you can uh, just email me. So Carla.Refold at Beachamadden.com.
0: Awesome. I am sure people are excited and looking forward to chatting with you. This was a lot of fun. Carla, thank you for your time.
1: No, I had a great time. Thank you. Sure. Bye. If
0: you enjoyed this, there is a lot more content on the website at accesscyber.org. As always, happy hacking and I'll catch you next time.